Hey everyone, this is Klaatu. You're listening to episode 27 of season 12 of the GNU World Order. This episode's going to be listener feedback. And if I haven't done that in a while, I figure I should catch up. But keep in mind that catching up means email that I've gotten prior to this point. So if you've emailed me before, or, or rather after I am recording this, obviously your f- feedback will not be in this episode. So don't think that I'm ignoring you, it's just that you'll have to wait till next time to get an answer. Although, I mean, I am going to email you anyway privately, so you'll, you'll, you'll have a written answer before, but if you want to hear the extended version of my, of my thoughts as, as they are triggered by your, your email, that, that'll be a, a different, different time. But anyway, I've gotten a little bit of feedback here and there, so the first one I, I guess I'll mention is over Mastodon. Mastodon, by the way, is a free social networking site if you haven't, if you haven't tried it and you are interested in, I don't really know I don't really understand social networking all that much, but it's it's a it's like a Twitter type thing where you are talking to people but everyone can see your conversation and I don't know why people like that, but whatever. It's it's a it's a way to talk to a bunch of other nerds. So Mastodon dot something or another uh, is where you can join. I think it's like joinmastodon.org and then you, you choose a server that you want to, to sign up on and then you can sign up and talk to people. I'm Klaatu on on there, or maybe I'm not Klaatu. Either way, I'm. You can find me, Klaatu. Uh, uh, so there you. And I'm. It, so it's my my. If you do need to find me on there, it's at it's it's mastodon.xyz slash at Klaatu. That would be the URL where you could find my profile, and then you can do what's called a remote follow, uh, because on Mastodon, unlike other services, it's it's federated, so you can remote follow someone without being actually on the same server as, as they are. And I just looked, because I went to my URL, and it looks like I am following 447 people. I have 468 followers, and from what I've understood from social networking, only the... It's, it's not cool if you have more if you're following more people than you than you have as followers. I'm actually striving to keep those two numbers the same. I don't know who would be following me that I am not then following. Oh, probably like bots and stuff. Obviously not going to follow a bot. Um, but uh, I have done 2,014 um, uh, posts on there. That's a lot of posts. I didn't even realize I really did that much, but... It's a pretty, it's a pretty cool little place. I, I kind of think of it as an IRC alike. Uh, it's not quite IRC, but, but it kind of serves as something similar, I guess. But anyway, that's, that's Mastodon. So anyway, um, I got feedback over Mastodon, and one of the feedbacks was that some of the volume levels on the shows lately have not been good, and, and sometimes the, the quality or the, uh, the channel, the audio channel, has only appeared in one, in one ear. So here's the deal. I I attempt to release all of my shows pretty much exactly the same. Like I go through the same workflow on every episode. It's it's always recorded on my desktop in Audacity. I kind of edit as I go. So I don't uh I don't I don't ha- I don't record and then walk away from it and then come back and edit it. That's how I used to do it and that just didn't work. I would I would walk away and then forget to come back. So I, I record and edit on the fly and then I export Generally, I try to export at 44.1, I think. Although I have a feeling a lot of times I export at 48. Then I take that audio file and put it into my PodWrite folder. And then I run PodWrite, which is a couple of different things. I've talked about it on the show before. So there's Make and Code, which does the AUG, Opus, 
a FAAC and speaks encoding from that FLAC file. Then I get rid of the FLAC file, run my script, the PodWrite script, which uh, parses the show notes and the links and uploads all of that, the XML feeds, the show notes, the, uh, and the, the actual shows to the server. So in theory, there's not really a whole lot of room for error or variation. And unfortunately, apparently, the few places that that it could be, that it could occur, um, sometimes do occur. So one, I think, I'm suspecting sometimes I, I export it at the wrong bit rate, or the wrong sample rate, rather. So that's that's just me doing something poorly in, from Audacity. And then other times I feel sometimes just the, so, uh, there's a glitch. And that's the only, that's the only way I can explain the, the episode, I think it was episode 23, that only was in the left ear for some reason. I mean, I, I export all of my shows as mono, which in the audio world, is shorthand for the left channel. Like mono, if you're plugging something into a into an audio mixer and you know that it's a mono signal, then the default is to just plug that into the left channel. That's that's just I don't know. Ever since I've ever had audio gear, that's that's been how it goes. So so it, it doesn't surprise me too much that the audio would be in the left channel, but I don't know why it wouldn't be in both because I, I export it as mono, so it should be mirrored in both channels. So I've reposted the errant episodes, some with fixes, some with sort of hacks, because there was an episode twenty that I couldn't quite fix the level on because I didn't have the source anymore. I only keep about the most recent three shows on on my drive, and then I rotate them out as I continue. So episode 20 just didn't have the sources where I could go back and independently adjust my voice in relation to music. But but generally, yeah, it should all be, it should all sound the same. So if there is a problem, just don't don't hesitate to contact me immediately. I appreciate the feedback, and it helps, and I guess the sooner I hear about it, the more likely I'll be able to fix it, because I'll still have that episode on my drive. Three episodes later, if I hear about it, I might be able to sort of hack on it a little bit, but uh, the sources are probably already gone by then, so that's just kind of. I mean, I could extend it. It's not like I'm I'm dying for hard drive space. So maybe I'll 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 delete fewer sources now. But but that is what has happened, and I think Polky and Pokey and uh, Taj and Cobra Two and Kona or Kuna on Mastodon for uh, letting me know about those issues. And I think there was someone else in there as well earlier who had told me, hey, it's in the left channel only, but no one else had agreed. No one else said anything. So I thought, well, that it's just a, it's probably just an issue with that one person. I don't really remember which person that was. It might have been Kuna um, on Mastodon. It was someone on Mastodon. So if it wasn't whoever that was, thank you for telling me and sorry for ignoring you or not believing you or blaming you, I guess, blaming the victim uh, when it occurred. I do apologize. So I always appreciate um, feedback like that, though. I mean, heck, I always appreciate feedback in general. That's why that's why we do this show, right, dear listener? I mean, we get to interact with each other, and that's 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 really cool. Okay, so I got some feedback from Josh from webhosting.coop. Webhosting Co-op is a fantastic project. I, I've mentioned it on here before, and uh, some changes on the server side on my end have occurred. So I will likely be migrating to webhosting.coop this month. You shouldn't know notice any kind of interruption in service, dear listener, it, it will be all invisible to you, but that that is the plan. And Josh is making it really, really easy for me to do that, which I appreciate hugely. So what Josh actually wrote about, though, was this Mycroft module that he wrote. And I don't know if you know anything about Mycroft. I barely know anything about it.
about it. I mean, I've heard of it. I think I remember an Hacker Public Radio episode where someone was was using Mycroft, or was that something else? I'm not sure. Can't think of it off the top of my head. But but Mycroft is one of those open source voice assistants. So it sits in your house and it kind of listens all the time. But it's open source, so it's okay. Um, so it listens and you just talk to it, just like in the science fiction shows, you know, like in Star Trek Next Generation. Computer, locate Riker. Riker is in the holodeck on deck three, currently being shot by gangsters because the safety was off, whatever. So that's what Mycroft does. You can tell it to do things like order a two liters of milk and a dozen eggs or, you know, whatever. And it and it does its little magic and it does whatever it does on the on the back end to satisfy your request in, in presumably whatever way that you have you have programmed it to do, which which sounds a heck of a lot better than those other voice assistants where, you know, it's it's just tied to a certain store or something. Because, I mean, I've heard of people talking about their closed source proprietary voice assistants where there is a function to order some something, you know, like, oh, I want to order, I don't know, I, I'm out of milk, so I'm going to I'm gonna tell my voice assistant to order me a, a liter of milk. So you say, voice assistant, order a liter of milk. And and then it, it like uses Amazon or something to to order your liter of milk. Like who who uses who orders a liter of milk from Amazon? It makes no sense. So with something like this, I would assume you could just you could program it to know from whom to make this order. And in fact, uh, here in New Zealand, there's a grocery store called Countdown, which I think in Australia is called Woolworths or something. And uh, you can you, you can order stuff online from Countdown, and you could you can have it delivered for an additional fee or you can just order it they'll pick out your groceries in the store and then you can drive there and just pick up your your groceries pre-bagged so i i could really imagine mycroft being really handy for that sort of thing where you say mycroft order a liter of milk and a bag of coffee and it would it would register that order with countdown or you maybe you could even say like uh order a liter of milk and coffee from countdown for pickup tomorrow at nine o'clock or whatever and and it would do that that would be pretty cool but anyway that's not what josh has written me about he has written me about a mycroft module that he wrote to teach mycroft about gnu world order so you install i guess this little module that he created it is available on github at github.com slash joshua cox slash skill dash gnu world order i'll put a link in the show notes so you can install that and then you can talk to mycroft about gnu world order you can say things like mycroft who is GNU World Order? And I guess it'll tell you something about GNU World Order. I haven't looked at the code, so I don't know what it'll say. I'm, I'm assuming it would be in, in the code. I, I'm not sure. I don't know how any of this works. Or you can say, Mycroft, uh, play GNU World Order, and presumably it would play the most recent episode. Or you could say, play the 10th episode of GNU World Order, and again, presumably, it would play the 10th episode of the season, and so on. So that's really, really cool. It's 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 amazing. It's, um, it's one of those things where, I, I mean, I guess this is what the, the concept of the community around a show is all about because like I can submit my show to random podcast aggregator places and I can make the show and talk about the show but that's just one person doing all these things and if other people sort of jump on that bandwagon and 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 talk about the show then I don't know maybe maybe that's even better because then more people are finding the show and hopefully ideally more people are finding about uh, out about GNU Linux so that's that's the goal I 
I reckon. And I've got some plans towards that as well. I'll talk about a couple of the plans later in this episode, but there there are there are ideas there. So next up is Jim. Jim emailed me about a bash RC file, but and I'm going to talk about that, but first I think I'm gonna talk about his really, really cool website called pedalpc.com. It's P-E-D-A-L-P-C.com. And it is as you might expect from the from that name, it is about powering a computer with a bike, with with you know pedaling a bike. Uh, I'm assuming he's pedaling a stationary bike. I, I'm not sure. It, there's not a whole lot of detail on how his his rig is set up here, but but it's pretty pretty darn informative little website. Just in terms of well, how much just how much pedaling do we have to do to generate you know s- some amount of power? And, and it's it's good. So in 2010, for instance, he he generated 33,000 and 70 watt hours from pedaling and that's an average electricity generated each day 153 uh, and the average time spent pedaling each day in 2010 was 2 hours 35 minutes and we'll contrast that maybe to um here 2013 no, 20 yeah yeah 2013 he, he generated 68,000 so really twice the amount of, of of electricity generated 192 electricity generated each day on average Average, and that's an average pedaling time of three hours and seven minutes. So three hours of riding a bike and you get 192 watt hours. I mean, you figure putting that little bit of electricity into a Raspberry Pi could actually do something. And and just the idea of of, of exercising and generating actual energy that you can then use is really, really interesting. Very cool. I think that combined with like a solar rig, I think that would just be amazing. Really, really cool stuff. So that's pedalpc.com. It's, it's, a, it's not an extensive website by any means, but it's got some interesting ideas on there. And again, completely not what he emailed me about. So what he did t- t- uh, what he did say in his email was that he was a bit surprised to hear on your on my last GW, well, I'll just read in his voice. Not his voice, but his, his, his voice. I was a bit surprised to hear on your last GWO you didn't copy your Bash RC file to the multiple computers you used. I do this all the time and would feel lost without it. Here's the most important settings in my Bash RC file. Okay, so first of all, dear listener, I will say that yes, I am surprised myself, to be honest. I, I don't know why I don't have a better system for my Bash RC file. It's just one of those things that, obviously, if I felt like I actually needed it, it would be automated by now, right? I mean, it just that's it's obvious that's the obvious thing so I'm assuming that I don't feel like I actually need it. Now, I have lately been starting to, to feel a little bit weird about not being better at keeping up my .emacs file across my computers. I used to do that, and then I kind of fell out of habit, and now I need to get back into that habit. So maybe as I get back into my .emacs committing and pulling habit, maybe I will also get better at a .bashrc habit. Although I'm not convinced, to be honest. I, I really, as I said on the episode whenever I was talking about this, two episodes ago, I think, um, it, it was, it's something that I just don't, my computers aren't, like the way they, that I interact with them, it really is different depending on which computer I'm at. You know, my work computer is one, one use case, my desktop tends to be a different use case, and my laptop, my Slacker, my Slackware uh, laptop, HP, tends to be yet another use case. So I think it's, um, I think it's kind of, I think there might be some method to my madness, even if I, I don't fully understand it yet. But let's go through the things that, that Jim says he does in his Bash RC file. Right after we take a coffee break.
Okay, now that I have got my coffee, you presumably have your coffee. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say really briefly here that lately I've been enjoying this malted drink. It's it's I believe it's a little bit like Ovaltine in the United States, but it's called either Milo or Milo here. I'm not really sure how you're supposed to say it, but it's um it's this it's like a it's very slightly chocolate, but it's it's mostly just like you know barley or, or whatever malt is and you you stir it into I usually do like honestly three quarters milk and one quarters no three quarters water and one quarter milk I don't really need a whole lot of milk in there personally and it's just that that malt flavor is so good I really like that malt flavor and I'm so glad I found it because I've always liked that malt flavor but I don't like for instance uh, milkshakes and and that's I think at least in the US that's where you typically have a malt right you you, you go to a, a, a deli or a a diner and you get a chocolate malt and that's that's how you get the malt um and i never really i never really liked that part of it i just liked that malt flavor so having found this this drink that probably dozens of kids have known about for ages i mean ovaltine in the u.s i think is the equivalent and i know that was a big deal um and milo or milo seems to be a big deal here people seem to be pretty familiar with it so i feel like i'm very late to the game but i've just been enjoying it a lot i mean it's winter here unlike if you're listening in the northern hemisphere it's summer so you're probably thinking i'm drinking a cool drink no this is i'm drinking it as a hot drink and it's quite good it's been quite enjoyable as something to have between cups of coffee and that in fact is what i am drinking as i as i read jim's email he has six different points that he he mentions that he does in his bash rc so first he sets his command line uh, editor to vi mode which um i'm assuming he means vim because if you've ever used pure vi like actual Vi. Like, if you remove Vim, V-I-M, from your system and then launch Vi, and so you're getting actual Unix, you know, original Vi, it is horribly underfeatured. I mean, there are some basic, basic things. I don't remember what they are now because I haven't used Vi or Vim in such a long time. I, it was either something like, you know, deleting to the end of the line or, or maybe deleting a word at a time or getting back to the beginning of a sentence or a line. Something like that was just not there. And it was because it was Vi and not Vim, and it just took me by surprise. I was really shocked because it just seemed, I, I thought, I, I always thought Vim and Vi were, were really just very, very similar. Like, probably there were just some really esoteric things that, that Vim add, added that, that you would never really notice unless you were a power user. No. Vim is the thing that makes Vi usable, honestly. So I'm assuming he means Vim. So anyway, that's the first thing. So the second thing is set editor, that's dollar sign editor, to Vi and dollar sign browser to Firefox. You know, actually now that I'm, he's saying it maybe he does actually set it to vi because he knows that vi is symlinked to vim so on systems where vim is present then he gets vim and if uh, on systems on which vim is not present but vi is present which is basically everything then you get vi that's probably why he does that okay and then he sets uh, dollar sign browser to firefox and then he creates that's the second thing so the third thing that's actually two for one really uh third thing is create a short three letter environment variable for his main server so you know uh, my dollar sign mes my example server equals my login name at example.com because it's so long and he for free 
frequently misspells it. That's an interesting one because uh, for me, I, I do that in my SSH config, which I do carry around with me. That I'm quite good at maintaining because I use that on all my computers pretty much equally. Like if I'm on one computer, then when I SSH to, you know, some, some string, then I, I want it to go to the same place as when I do that on some other computer. So yeah, I actually do that in my SSH config file. So in that sense, um, I, I am doing this point. I'm just not doing it in bash RC. Uh, fourth point, modify the bash prompt to automatically show in color the status and branch I'm on when I'm in a directory that is a git repo. Yeah, someone sent me, I think it was Harley, sent me a, um, Harley inbody, not Quinn, uh, sent me like this, this git, git, or this bash prompt git integration thing quite some time ago now, seasons ago. And, and I looked at it with some interest and it is cool. Like it is verifiably, admittedly a really cool hack. Like it, it's, it is neat. But for some reason, I just, it did not appeal to me. And I have to admit, bash prompts annoy me to no end pretty much. Like my bash prompt on all of my systems is a single, a single character. Like it's, well, maybe not on all of my systems. They tend to be, yeah, on my, on my desktop, actually, it's a full, it says bash dash four dot three dollar sign which is just kind of like the default one I think that comes with Slackware and but 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 see the difference there is that on my desktop I have a big screen right so I never run out of like I never feel cramped for for uh, horizontal space in my bash terminal whereas on other computers like my laptops I always feel like I'm running out of uh, out of room on a line and then it has to wrap and I don't know why that bothers me but it kind of does and so and so yeah generally on on like my laptops and on my Pi server and and yeah, usually on my systems, my bash prompt is a single character. It's either a dollar sign or a percent sign, or or maybe it's two characters. You know something? Because if you're SSH'd into like three different computers, sometimes you just you know that bash prompt is the thing that will cue you into, hey, you're not on the computer you think you're on. You're you're on your you're on your SSH session here. This is a percent sign instead of a dollar sign. So don't don't go doing anything crazy like doing a shutdown and accidentally shut down the server. So yeah, that's um that's I do not have fancy bash prompts. Uh, number five append the virtual environment I'm working in to the bash prompt when I'm working in a Python virtual environment. Okay, that admittedly sounds brilliant. I will have to look into that. Uh, I, that never occurred to me, and that's a great idea. Yep, that's a really good one. Or maybe it did occur to me, and then I forgot, because I... Now that I'm thinking about it, I do kind of feel like in uh, on my my old job at the movie studio, I feel like I had that functionality because I, I I seem to remember that happening. And then six, set up my SSH agent using the command line program keychain. That admittedly sounds cool too. I guess I'll have to look into that. Well, that's those are at least two cool things: uh, keychain and the Python virtual environment appending. I'm gonna have to look into both of those. And the other four things I can sympathize with and 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 some of them I just ignore uh like the the colorful bash prompt and the S well no yeah that's the only one I really don't do because the the environment variable for my server I don't do that in bash I do that in ssh config and then I do set an editor variable and a visual variable to emacs course, uh, in my bash file. And I just do that, I guess I just must do that manually every single time. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess my bash RC files aren't really all that exciting, generally. Um, and I need to work on that. I do. I need to work on that. And in fact, you know, funny thing, he says, he says specifically in his email, as a general rule, I don't alias common commands because it makes me more likely to forget the underlying command and the flags involved. Instead, I just pull them out of bash history. 
I I used to think the same thing, and I have I have definitely stopped thinking of that. Um, I find at least for the way that I do the way that I work is I alias something once I get sick and tired of typing it in. So by the time I alias something, it's not because you know I don't alias because I don't want to learn a command. It's because I have learned a command and just can't stand typing it in anymore. So I alias it, and and I have never I've not really found so far that that's prevented me from learning a command or forgetting a command. Um, quite the contrary. It it seems to be that I I have a command so ingrained in my my head that that's that's when I alias it because I just cannot be bothered. I, I just realize finally I'm wasting time with this. Um, and and so I will I will alias stuff. I will script stuff. I will do that over and over because it's just it's it's just more efficient for me. So that's that's kind of how I do it. But there you go. That's that was Jim's email. Thanks Jim for the email. I certainly appreciate it. I like hearing from listeners. It's a lot of fun because you get to connect with people who you don't necessarily even know, uh, you know, you don't even know they existed, and suddenly they're emailing you, and you're having a great conversation, and possibly learning something new. In both of these cases, the Mycroft thing and the uh, and the Bash RC tricks here are, are have been very informative, so thank you. Okay, so now I want to talk a little bit about uh, general promotion of the podcast. So I've been, I've been submitting New World Order RSS feeds to several different sites now. Uh, there's Blueberry without an E, or without any E's, no E's in Blueberry. Uh, there's something called Snapper or, or Splatter or Scratcher or something like that. And there's Anchor.fm. There's just a couple of different places out there that, oh, and there's uh, MyMusic.Apple.com or something like that. So there's a couple of places out there. And there's GPotter.net. A couple of places out there where you, um, you you can just sort of alert them of your presence. I, I don't exactly know why you have to do that. I think what the, the idea is that you go there and you sort of you, you become a podcaster for them, you know, or, or associated with them, you know, you, like, it's, they're meant to be sites, generally, where, where you, that's your production workflow, like, you, your production workflow starts there, you know, you create an episode, and then you fill out your RSS stuff, and then you go and record it, and then you upload it to that site, I think, and so it, it kind of, it all happens, like, on that site, and I don't really want that, um, but I do want to increase discoverability, because I've, I've been thinking a little bit about the, the point of GNU World Order, Especially because, you know, there's Hacker Public Radio, which I contribute to, and then there's GNU World Order. And sometimes I'm not quite sure what I'm doing with two of them, you know? Like, why why not just the content, instead of going to GNU World Order, just goes to Hacker Public Radio? Like, why, what's the what's the excuse for having a GNU World Order when there is already a Hacker Public Radio? And I could, I could easily, and it's weird that I'm thinking of this now, because a lot of people back in the day, like two, no, not two, like five years ago, used to ask me that kind of frequently, you know? Like, oh, I want to start a podcast. Should I start a podcast or should I just post to Hacker Public Radio? And I used to say just post to Hacker Public Radio. Like, what's the point? But now that I'm, but I mean, I, I still have my own show, New World Order. So I'm trying to think of why, why the two, why, why. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking, well, Hacker Public Radio is is great for just uh, in depth things, like where where you want to learn something and you want to cut out the 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 banter and the rambling banter. I don't have banter. I'm one person. But well, I have banter with listeners in fun episodes like this, listener email. Um, but you know, so so I, I I tend to think of Hacker Public 
radio, I think, as something t technically more focused. Uh, and although sometimes I post rambly musings there as well, but, but you can tag them as such. So I guess when trying to decide what's going to go on one show or the other, I kind of think of Hacker Public Radio as being the documentation site, uh, whereas I think of New World Order as being a little bit less so, more of like, oh, let's discover some new stuff together, that sort of thing. So one of the important things about New World Order, I feel, is that it's conversational and and it's a conversational and friendly uh, entry point to GNU, Linux, open source, all that good stuff. So I think what I'll what I'll probably do is I'll post a uh, a sticky episode, sort of you know like in a form you can do a sticky post. So I'll do a sticky episode that introduces ideally people to to Linux and to open source and all that other good stuff. And I'll probably just put it at the top of the web page or or something. Um, I, I I doubt that I will add it to the feed. Maybe I will as as episode I don't know zero, you know, and just have that be episode zero. Even though chronologically, obviously, it's not episode zero. But maybe that's what I'll do. I'll put it as episode zero. People can listen to that, and it will assume that they've never heard of Linux or open source or GNU or FSF or anything like that before. And I I think I'm gonna try to make it a good intro to those topics. Now that's a big that's a tall order, and I have literally been listening to Linux Reality, Chess Griffin's Linux Reality, to remind myself of what my intro to all of this was, and to take notes from him. I mean, my entire podcasting career has been just taking notes from Chess Griffin, really. I mean, he got me started, and I've sort of learned from him and, and kept his example in mind. But for this, I, I definitely want to, to keep it very close to heart and and, and produce an episode that, that, that is useful and helpful to new listeners and ideally that will you know that that will enable them to to get into this podcast and other podcasts without having to go back and listen to season you know two through 12 of mine or whatever so I'm hoping that it'll be kind of a, a nice universal intro to this podcast and to this community that you and I and and hopefully more people will be a part of and that's another thing that I've been thinking about lately is is the concept of okay well why do we need to grow a community like why does that have to be a thing that we do why can't we just be happy with what we have and that's a good that's a great question because I, I feel like a lot of times it's a very capitalistic kind of USA centric sort of imperial view of like oh we have to expand we have to get bigger we have to get bigger all the time and it's like well why do we have to get bigger why do we have to get why 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 do we have to do this like why do we have to take th stuff over why is that a why is that a built-in assumption but if you if you think about sort of the opposite of that, of, of saying, well, we don't need to expand, we don't need to grow our numbers, that would be, okay, well, we can all stagnate and then die. And, and that, that that's a pretty obvious, undesirable result. And I, I see this this same kind of the same kind of attitude in in you know in Linux I see it in Linux conferences I see it in role playing games I see it in lots of different places where people are saying well we need to get young people involved and we need to we need to to teach the next generation and all these other things and you're just thinking well why do we need to do that and then and then it sort of dawns on you and it's, well we need to do that because that's how, what a community is like it's 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 a growing and changing and evolving thing where new new people come into it and then they move up the ranks and and that's that's how it keeps going and without that kind of refresh every now and again you simply you, you, you it it goes away you don't have it anymore and and I want linux to be around for a long time you want linux to be around for a long time so hopefully 
hopefully episode zero, whenever that hits, I'll be working. I want it's it's something that I want to do very very well. I want to do it correctly, so I'm going to write out a script and everything. It's it's not going to be off the cuff or at least a bullet point outline. Uh, so w- when that hits, I will announce it, and you will know that it is there. And that way, if you are ever introducing someone to Linux or open source or to podcasting for that matter, you could point them to episode zero, and and that's something that that will be easily accessible by everyone. That's everything I've got for this episode. Thanks for listening, and I will talk to you next time. Listening to the GNU World Order Og Cast. This has been Klaatu. You can reach me on IRC. I'm on the Freenode network usually in channels such as Og Cast Planet, Slacker Media, Slackware, a couple of others. My nick on IRC is not Klaatu. You can also reach me lately on Mastodon. My username there is at Klaatu at Mastodon.xyz. Of course, you can email me at klatu at member.fsf.org. That's klatu at member.fsf, as in free software foundation.org. And of course, you can visit my various websites, gnuworldorder.info and slackermedia.info. I will see you next time. shoes. The foundation of good posture is in your feet. Make it a strong foundation.